Christ Community Church, located at 25th and Thomas Avenue in Portsmouth, Ohio. Christ Community meets on Saturday at 5 p.m. and Sunday at 10.30 a.m. For more information, visit www.christcommunity.net or check out our Facebook page. Happy New Year, Christ Community Church! Oh, aren't you glad to see 2021 in the rearview mirror? I was, I was reading the other day uh, what people's top wishes were for 2022, and number one was normalcy. When was the last time, though, that you can remember that people's wish for the new year would just be like for it to be another Wednesday? Right? I mean, that's how far we have fallen, you know, thanks to COVID and, and all the other nonsense going on. Um, and speaking of that, we have several people out this morning, several people who are usually here on Sunday morning are not because they're in quarantine with COVID. And so be praying for them. If you're watching online, we're praying for you. Um, but, you know, the new year is obviously a time where we look and we make resolutions, but it's more than that. January 1st is also my wedding anniversary. So, yep, so you can congratulate me and you can give Megan your condolences later. Um, what we're going to be challenging is we're starting a new sermon series on the book of Proverbs, the Old Testament book of Proverbs. Now, we're going to be covering it up to, Lord willing, till Easter. Now, doing this, what we're not going to be able, Dad and I are, to cover every single proverb. We're not even going to try. We're going to kind of pick and choose. But we're going to challenge you to read at least a proverb a day or a chapter a day, every single day. It's not a bad practice to get into. Billy Graham read a proverb every morning. So, pretty good example. So, we're going to encourage you to do that. But, and, and the main thrust, there are two things here that we're looking at in Proverbs. The first is Proverbs is about wisdom, godly wisdom. That's one. Two, we're going to be looking at how does Proverbs point to Jesus Christ. So, we're going to be looking at both of those. Because you'll remember, what does Jesus say in the Gospel of John when he's talking to the Jewish leaders? He said, you search the Scriptures in vain because you do not know the Scriptures point to me. And yet, at that time when he said that, there's no New Testament. So, when he says Scriptures, he's talking about the Old Testament. So, even the Old Testament points to him. And we'll be talking a lot about wisdom. Now, before I became a Christian... Um, I thought I was going to be uh, a history professor who dabbled in politics. That was my goal. Um, history, I'm still kind of a history buff, a history nerd. And once upon a time, I confused wisdom with wit. So, for example, one of my historical heroes is Winston Churchill, who, of course, guided Great Britain through World War II. Churchill was a witty guy. He uh, was at a dinner party one night. This is one of my favorites. And he said something that offended the uh, lady who was there, a rather prominent, wealthy socialite. And she looked at him and said, Winston, if I were your wife, I'd poison your tea. To which he responded, Madam, if I were your husband, I would gladly drink it. <laughs> well, that's wit, but that's not necessarily wisdom. It, the, the etymology of the word wisdom, what wisdom, when you break it down, really means 
is wise. The word wise actually means experienced. And dom means judgment. Experienced judgment is what wisdom means. Experienced judgment. And you're going to find a lot of these in Proverbs. Now, what is a proverb? A proverb, the Hebrew word is masal. Um, one of my professors said they are truthisms, meaning that on their surface, they are true under normal circumstances. So now, and you need to keep this in mind with Jesus' parables. Jesus' parables are also kind of form of proverbs. And so generally speaking, they're, they're true. But they're, they're, it doesn't mean that in, for every person in every situation. So, for example, you know, Jesus says, don't worry. Don't worry about what you're going to eat. Don't worry about, you know, all that kind of stuff, what you're going to wear. And some people have taken that to be like an absolute promise that no Christian will ever starve. But that's not true. You know, I remember a story here in a story that I think Tim Keller told, Dr. Tim Keller said, you know, that... Uh, there was a missionary who was in a shipwreck, ended up on a desert island, a true desert island, nothing there, no fruit, no animals, no, he had nothing. And when he was finally found, he had starved to death on the beach. And yet, he didn't feel God had betrayed him. In fact, his last journal entry was, I am overwhelmed by the grace of God. These are true-isms, and so you need to keep that in mind. And since we're going to challenge you to jump in and start reading Proverbs on your own, understand the first nine chapters are just the introduction. Now, we're not going to, don't worry, we're not going to cover nine chapters this morning. I was done on time last night. We'll be done. And by the way, I'm, you know, I'm really impressed that you're here. I thought holiday weekend, you know, Ohio State winning, barely, um, last night, and and all the other kind of stuff. I thought, nobody's going to be here, but that, I'm glad that some of you are. But, um, and I'm going to tell the congregation again and again on Facebook and everything else, those who aren't here, those who are home quarantining, those who are hungover, um, that, you know, start digging into the book of Proverbs. And one of the best things you can get, if you want to buy something to go along with it, there's a daily devotional on Proverbs by Tim Keller that I would encourage you to get. I have it on Kindle, and it's worth having. Now, so we know that Proverbs, the majority of Proverbs, were actually written by Solomon. And if you know your Bible, you know that Solomon was the wisest person who ever lived until Christ came. So for thousands and thousands of years, Solomon was the wisest person who ever lived. And so we're going to get into this, but what is wisdom and how does it point to Jesus? When I brought this up, Dad asked a question. He said, I don't understand this. I don't understand how Proverbs could point to Jesus. And he turned to Proverbs 11.22, and he said, A beautiful woman who lacks wisdom is like a gold ring in a pig's snout. And he said, how does that point to Jesus? I said, well, okay, let's look in the commentaries, which I did. And sure enough, what is Solomon saying there? Solomon is saying there that a woman... Without wisdom, in the one hand, is basically useless. Absolutely useless. However, the, the translation, and it's from the New Living Translation that I read. I really like the New Living Translation, but it doesn't quite get what the Hebrew is saying. The Hebrew actually is comparing, is saying that it's not that she's like a ring in a pig's snout. It's that she's like the pig with the ring in her snout. Like, she's like the pig. 
Now, what does that mean? Here's what it means. In, that, in, the, in this time, thousands of years ago, believe it or not, the sign of cultural beauty and wealth was a big gold ring in your nose. I know times change, thank goodness, right? But at that time, if you, had, if you were a woman and you had a big gold ring pierced through your nose, you were basically telling the world, I am rich and I am gorgeous. And what Solomon is saying is actually you've turned yourself by doing that, by defining yourself by wealth and how other people view you physically, you have turned yourself into a beast. That it's not about wealth or looks. It's about godly wisdom. And yet, who embodies godly wisdom? Jesus Christ, who was homeless, had no money, and according to Isaiah, had no beauty that we should desire. You see, it's the exact opposite. It's flipping it. And this is, what, this is nothing new. The ancient church fathers, which is what we call the ancient church leaders, the leaders who were trained by guys like John and Paul and Timothy and Titus and so forth, and we have many of their writings, they would do this. They would scour the Old Testament and say, okay, how does this point to Jesus Christ? But then in the Enlightenment, we thought we were all, you know, we figured it all out. We were really smart. We didn't need to do that stuff anymore. We'll read books the way we read books, not the way they read books and we got away from it. And that's a shame because we're not taking Jesus' words seriously when he says, all Scripture points to me. And that's how you do it. So let's jump into Proverbs. We're going to do Proverbs 1, 1 through 7 this morning. That's it. Dad will pick up with uh, verse 8 next week. And then we're going to skip around a little bit. And I'll be putting on when we're preaching on what. But this is, the very, this is kind of the introduction to the introduction of Proverbs. These are the Proverbs of Solomon, David's son, king of Israel. Their purpose is to teach people wisdom and discipline, to help them understand the insights of the wise. Their purpose is to teach people to live disciplined and successful lives. Now, full stop. We're going to talk about this in a minute, because this is probably the most important thing you got to get over to really understand Proverbs. It says Proverbs is there to teach you to be disciplined and successful. But then, I know what you're thinking. You hear successful. You're thinking cash, vacation homes, all other kind of stuff. But that's not what it is. It goes on to say, what, it goes on to define what disciplined and successful life is. It says, to help them do what is right, just, and fair. So to do what is right, to do what God wants you to do, to do what is just, to treat other people well, to be fair, not to be selfish and hypocrite. These Proverbs will give insight to the simple, knowledge and discernment to the young. Let the wise listen to these Proverbs and become even wiser. Let those with understanding receive guidance by exploring the meaning in these Proverbs and parables, the words of the wise and their riddles. Fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. So first and foremost, fear of the Lord. And we got to talk about that. What does that mean? Does it mean, as some say, 
just a general awe of God, just being in awe of God and his power and his holiness? Or is it knee-knocking fear? The answer is, uh uh-huh. It's both. It's both. We see this all throughout the Old Testament, don't we? When Peter realizes he is in the presence of something holy, what does he do? He freaks out. He's scared to death. Fear of the Lord. Awe of the Lord and fear of the Lord. That's where it begins. That's where it has to start. So it starts with faith and repentance. You cannot be wise. You cannot gain godly wisdom. You cannot grow in godly wisdom until you have faith and a heart that is willing to repent. To turn from yourself and sin and turn to God. Now, the Hebrew word to teach, they translate to teach, in verses 2 and 3. This is the second thing. Fear of the Lord. The second is this. The Hebrew word for that they translate as teach actually means training with accountability. Training with accountability. That means godly wisdom can only be received, reflected upon, taken in within a community. Within a God-fearing community. That's the only place it can come. Only when we treat each other like family and love each other and often have to say, you know, I've been down that road, buddy, and you don't want to go there. Trust me. You know, you can only, I know some people just never, ever, ever want to be told they're wrong. And it doesn't matter who says it, and I get it. They're prickly. That's just the way they are. But it takes a special person that can talk to a normal person, tell them they're wrong, and the other person is thankful for it. I've had some people like that in my life. But that only comes when that person knows, that other person knows you love them, and you really want what's best for them. And that only comes in a true Christian community. So wisdom begins with the fear of the Lord. Second, it's only fostered, it can only be received and reflected upon clearly within the church, within a good church. But we have to watch because it says several times, warning about being a fool. What is a fool? Well, at times me driving through New Boston. Foolishness, as the Bible defines it, is not being uneducated. I I have to, my wife and I get into this all the time. My wife loves to learn. Do you know what her favorite Christmas gift was? 31-year-old millennial's favorite Christmas gift was Trivial Pursuit. And we've played it every night. But she loves to learn. And I keep telling her, she gets frustrated sometimes because she's, well, I was never taught this, I was never taught that. And she, she says, ah, gosh, I'm stupid. No, you're not. No, 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 no. A fool is somebody who refuses 
to learn. They think they know it all. A wise person is the person who says, I know what I don't know, and I need help with it. There's a famous story from ancient Greece. Socrates, the great philosopher Socrates, went to the oracle, their version of a prophet. And he goes up to the mountain to see the oracle and says, who is the wisest person in Greece? And the oracle said, you are. And Socrates said, how can that be? I know nothing. And the oracle said, exactly. The fact that he was willing to admit it. That's what a fool is. A fool doesn't want to learn. A fool doesn't want correction. A fool doesn't fear the Lord. A fool does not want to be part of a loving Christian community. That's a fool. Does that make sense? Good. And the problem is that we all have is we have a sinful nature. Each one of us inherited this sinful nature. We've had it since we were babies. I, the only people I have a hard time convincing that there is this thing called a sin nature. Most people, they, let's put it this way, every parent knows sin nature. You have this baby, and you love it, and you clean up after it, and you wake up in the middle of the night for it, and you try to teach it well, and maybe you read books too and all other kind of stuff and you and your spouse parents you try to do your best to show them how to act like an adult how to be mature and then you take them to a park or you take them to nursery and they walk over and they grab a toy and smack another kid and you're like where did that come from He's never seen anybody hit anybody. He's never seen anybody just yank something out of someone. Where did that come from? Sinfulness. We're all born with it. What's one of the earliest words every child learns, especially if they have siblings? Mine! I had to explain to my son at one point, you know, he was going through that phase, and I had to sit down and I said, you know, these are my toys. I said, no, Jackson. Daddy bought the toys. You need to understand something. You're basically homeless. You own nothing. All right? I've just taken you in, all right? Let's just keep this. But it's there. It's all there. And that sinful nature that can make us into a fool to refuse to acknowledge the Lord, to refuse to fear the Lord, that refuses to truly be part of a loving Christian community, that refuses to listen to those who have had experience. That sinful nature, we've all got it, and it's all going to hit us sooner or later. And part of that wisdom is even if you have faith, you fear the Lord most of the time, you're part of the community, you still be willing to look yourself look right in the mirror and go, I screwed that up. I was wrong. And that's so hard for so many people, isn't it? Just to say, I was wrong. 
was wrong. I conducted a marriage ceremony a few weeks ago, a freezing cold, outside December. Bad idea. But I tell every couple that I marry, one of the pieces of wisdom I got from my father, one of the few, but one of them, which dad also tells people often when he performs their ceremony, which is, you need to remember this. In marriage, you can be happy or you can be right. It's that simple. That's one of the grace, one of the graces God gives us within marriage is you learn very quickly to go, I was wrong. I screwed up, my bad. And that's a habit we all need to get into because the simple fact is most days, at least in God's eyes, we do more unrighteous things, think more unrighteous things than we do righteous. And we need to admit that lest we become true fools. That'll happen. Now, here's the toughest. This is kind of, I thought about starting here, but I thought, no, I want to kind of almost end here because this is the most important thing. (laughs) That sinfulness. One of the ways that sinfulness manifests itself is in pure and utter selfishness. And wanting what we want when we want it. And it's a serious problem, especially in this country, and if you don't believe me, go look up the statistics on credit card debt in the United States. You know why people get twenty, thirty thousand $30,000 in credit card debt? I want it now. We have come to the point where we define like basic necessities, in our opinion, Basic necessities don't just include heat, food. No, no, no. Now it's Amazon Prime, Netflix, HBO Max, Alexa, on and on and on and on and on and on. We've done this to ourselves. And we're teaching our children to do it as well. The Bible does not teach that we get to have an easy life. Proverbs will teach, as we see, that Proverbs is not a roadmap for you to get wealthy and successful. Proverbs is a roadmap for you to get closer to God and to treat each other better. That's true wisdom. Two of the wisest people I ever knew. One of the first people I ever knew after becoming a Christian that could tell you you were wrong and you just felt good about it for some reason. His name was Dr. Charles Seibert. He was one of my professors in seminary. I worked for him for three years as a graduate assistant. And then he was my mentor. We had, up until the day he died, of a rare form of blood cancer. He called me every month, and we spent a half an hour on the phone on how I was doing. And he'd often say to me, Matt, you shouldn't have done that. And because of our relationship, as much as I looked up to him and loved him, I'd go, you're right. Now, I got enough of an ego. That's not easy for me to say, but with him, it was. He was just a wise man, six foot five, a voice one octave deeper than God. He's a big guy. 
And he was a licensed professional counselor and a wise, godly man. And yet, his father abused him. He loved to read more than anything in the world. He'd rather read than sleep, eat. He loved to read. And then in his 40s, he was diagnosed with macular degeneration and started to go blind. And then, just as he had his first grandchild, he was diagnosed with cancer. And I never saw him complain once. Because he feared the Lord. He was always part of a loving Christian community. He knew he was a sinner. He knew he had to repent. He was a wise man, and he did not expect God to give him an easy life. He just wanted a productive one for the Lord. The other one, one of the happiest, most peaceful, gentle human beings I ever met. He was one of my donors when I worked for a Christian legal ministry. And I went to see him many, many times, anytime I could. He lived outside of Lancaster, Ohio, just not too far from here. And I would go see him, and I got to know him. He was one of the first people on Normandy Beach on D-Day. And I asked him the stupid question, were you scared? And he looked at me like, he said, son, in the first five minutes, I lost 10 pounds, all in my shorts. But he survived D-Day, lost many friends, came home, married his high school sweetheart, but then she got MS. And he spent the rest of his life taking care of her. And again, I would sit on his porch and he'd talk about the mercy of God. Wise people don't expect God to give them an easy life, even though we want it, don't we? We all want it. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but I'm sure several people in here bought a Powerball ticket this weekend. And I know what you were thinking. It wasn't, and then I shall give it all to UNICEF. No, you weren't. We want that life, but it's not promised to us. And we've got to fight that with everything we have and the aid of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. Now, here's where I want to end. Jesus himself is the embodiment of wisdom. Jesus is the ultimate teacher of wisdom. And we're going to see how the Proverbs often overlap with his teaching. And yet, where Jesus says what? The, all the entire Old Testament is wrapped up in what? Two things. Love God. Love each other as yourself. Everything's wrapped up with that. Love God. Love each other as you love yourself. Now, here's the problem I think the church has. There's no problem with that. But the problem is, I think, because that sounds so simple, so trite, so almost in a modern culture, a bumper sticker slogan, that we don't take it as seriously as we should. It sounds so simple, and most of us think life the, the cure to life's ills are just not that simple. Okay. 
I was uh, looking through some material this week, came across a story. It's about a 10-year-old boy, and his dream was to earn a black belt in judo. So his parents finally broke down and promised him his next birthday, he could start training. They would start taking him to a dojo, and he could start training. But then a few months before that birthday, he was in a car accident, and they amputated his left arm. He walked into the dojo, walked up to the sensei, and said, I think I know the answer to this, but is there any way without a left arm I can train in judo? I still want to try. The sensei said, absolutely. I will train you. But, and it sounds like something out of Karate Kid, this story's older than that. He said, you must do exactly what I say. I will do that. So they started training. But after a few months, the kid got suspicious because, just like in a Karate Kid, a little bit like in the Karate Kid, he goes, he's only showing me one move. He's making me do this one judo move every week over and over and over again. And he'd stop me mid-move. No, 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 this way. No, 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 plant your feet this way. No, 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 do this over and over again. And he just couldn't figure it out. And he, the sensei could see that the kid was frustrated. And so he said, I'm going to prove a point to you. He said, next month, I'm taking you to a judo tournament. He goes, oh, I'm not ready for that. He said, yes, you are. And so he takes him to the tournament. He said, but I only know this one move. Just wins the first two matches like that. Third match, a little bit of a struggle, but eventually manages to pin him. That one move. Goes in the championship. It's a bigger, bigger kid. The referee even went over the sensei and said, are you sure you want to do this? That's a big hoss. Your guy's a little guy with no left arm. He said, he'll be fine. And it was a struggle, but after a while, he won. He won the championship. And he was in the car with his sensei on the way home, and he said, sensei, what just happened? He said, why, why did I win? He said, number one, you worked very hard and are working hard to master a move. Two, in judo, the only defense for that move is to grab the left arm. Trust the simplicity of the wisdom of love God and love each other as yourselves. It takes hard work. It sounds so simple, but it's the wisdom of God. We're going to be spending a lot of time in this because we need wisdom now more than ever. More than ever. But we need to remember, for those of you who are open to learning wisdom, where do you go? Someone older? Someone more experienced? Someone more knowledgeable? So why don't we go to the eternal one who knows everything and loves us with all he has? Sound good?
I know it's been short, but I know some of you are still recovering from New Year's Eve, so let's pray. (laughs) Heavenly Father, we thank you for your wisdom contained in your word and in the person of your Son, Jesus Christ. May we fear you. May we commit to loving each other, especially in this church, as families in Christ. May we admit when we have been foolish and repent. May we fight with everything we have against selfishness and a desire for you to grant us easy lives. In the end of the day, may we love you and love each other and leave the rest into your hands. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, this is my New Year's present to you. We're done at 1120. Save me a seat at the restaurant. God bless you. Have a great new year. Christ Community Church, located at 25th and Thomas Avenue in Portsmouth, Ohio. Christ Community meets on Saturday at 5 p.m. and Sunday at 1030 a.m. For more information, visit www.christcommunity.net or check out our Facebook page.